Open your Bibles to the book of Exodus, chapter 33. Exodus 33, and we'll be starting in verse 12. Exodus 33, starting in verse 12. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from there or from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And he said, Please show me your glory. Then he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Now, when Drew said that I had asked to preach because something was uh, laid on my heart, that's probably the best way to put it. Um, I remember speaking with the guys in the back one time um, that I used to think I had a talent, for lack of a better word, that I could open this up and just the words would come spilling out. And it, it's not a talent. That, that was, it's not the right thought of it. It's a gift. Um, and it's God's gift. And he can, he can turn it on and he can turn it off. The word of God comes that way. It wasn't something I had. And for a long time, it seemed that that, had, that spigot had been turned off. It was at best, leaky. Um, it just was really hard to sit down and, and look at something. But the other day, I sat down and it just, it came right out. And this one's a bit different. Um, because I'm going to talk about something personal. My favorites. These are my favorite verses. And I know that sounds kind of weird. I, 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 I bet I could ask each one of you, or if you just ask yourself, what is your favorite verse, or what's the most important you know, verse or book or whatever to you? And you probably all have an answer, at least in, in private, because in public we think like, um, shouldn't we consider the whole thing equally as good, equally as important, equally a favorite, right? I mean... 
having favorites feels the same as saying you like one part of God's word more than another, right? And everything he says is good. It's excellent. And yes, even though, you know, every believer or true Christian or whatever you want to say, that we do hold this whole Bible as the word of God from beginning to end. And we hold it in high esteem. There are parts of it that impact us more than others. There just are. And you might hold, for example, the healing of blind Bartimaeus closer to your heart than the redemption of Ruth. Or you might, uh, well, the 24 elders that surround the throne in heaven, their utterings, which there were several, you might enjoy those. Or you find the declarations of Hosea, they bring you great joy. That's okay. I rib Matt uh, because he's always in Psalms. (laughs) That's his favorite. That's fine. I can't fault someone for going to their favorite place all the time. Now, a long time ago, uh, probably back when I was a teenager, I thought that everyone had a favorite verse. And by a favorite verse, I'm talking singular, just one. Um, And then as I grew older, you know, things changed. But I know 15 years ago, I did have just, just one. And you think, how can you have just one? I'm getting there. Um, but probably about 15 years ago or so, I did have just one. And it was Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 3, verse 14. It says that I know whatever God does, it shall be forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it that men should fear before him. And that was a favorite verse 15 years ago, and it still is today. I still love that verse. But now there's others. Now, you think, how can you have more than one? A favorite is a singular thing. It means something that's preferred before all others of the same kind. Well, as happens with age and experience, I changed my mind. I now have several favorite verses, and that list just keeps growing. I imagine it'll just encompass the whole Bible eventually. But... I have several that impact me in special ways, and they don't decrease the importance of the rest of the Bible at all. And I would like to share some with you this morning, and we've read one of them already. It's Exodus 33, right there in verse 19, that part of the verse that says, I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Now, I like that verse because it stands on its own. And it's like a mountain. You can't move it. It is huge to me. But I didn't always like it for that reason. You know, we tend to view things differently at different times in our lives or from a different perspective. Some things just mean one thing to us the first time we see them and will mean something different to us later on when we see them again. Now, when I was in elementary school learning Iowa history, specifically the history of of our town, they showed us the original 
uh, general store They're right there in the middle of the town. It had been established in 1882, um, and it was two stories tall, made out of brick, and it had a, a below-ground level. Uh, at the time we learned about it, that top floor wasn't in use. There was safety concerns for it. Uh, the main floor was a grocery store, and the, the below ground was a bar. Same guy owned both. Grocery store on top, bar on the bottom. <clears throat> and on the outside, um, facing the street, you know, they didn't used to just put a sign up. They would paint the wall. And uh, you could just barely see the original name painted on it. And I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, but it was the Foppy Pioneer Store. It's F-O-P-P-E. Whatever that is, that's what it was called. You can still see it. And the first thing I thought when I saw that building and the sign was that's, a, that's an amazing piece of history. That's really cool, something really old. Um, and then as I've grown older and I think back on that uh, faded marquee there, uh, it means something different. It means time has passed, and with the passage of time goes our remembrance of things. Instead of feeling amazed by it as a fact, I feel a bit wistful. Like that hymn says, uh, time, like an ever-rolling stream, bears all its suns away. They fly forgotten as a dream dies at the opening day. And it also reminds me of this verse in uh, Psalm 103. As for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes, for the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. I changed. Time and experience change our perspective. In the same way, when I first came upon this verse in Exodus thirty-three nineteen, where God proclaims that he will have mercy on whom he will have mercy, I thought, it was a perfect sword, sword. <clears throat> to kill, basically, the anti-Christian doctrine of man's free will. That was my crusade. And this verse became my favorite because I wanted to use it to attack the lies on God. I wanted to be God's weapon. And I thought to myself that if I could just repeat this in front of everybody in town, I could turn them. That's all it would take. I did not embark on that little fight. Um, and as the years passed, though, that same verse meant more than just a phrase to beat someone over the head with. Um, it showed me how God saved sinners a group of people that, surprise, included me. Now this verse meant that he showed me mercy. And he showed you mercy. His elect. His church. His people. And all children of God being equally sinners meant 
that God's compassion equally and completely saved them all. Yet today, this verse means yet something else, something new. I will have mercy. I will have compassion. And you have heard what they say about the I wills of God. (laughs) If God wills it, it will be done. Just you try to stop God from doing what he wills. You could line up all the devils at the gates of heaven and it would not stop God from fulfilling his purpose, from fulfilling what he wills. This verse is now one of my favorites because God said, I will, I will. Another favorite verse of mine is found in Mark 10. Mark chapter 10. And these verses, they all affect us differently. Some spiritually, some in the mind, some emotionally. This one for me is very emotional. It's Starting in verse 46, Mark 10, verse 46. It says, Now they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Now many people, I'm pretty sure you could find, how many verses is this? Six or seven? You could find seven favorite verses here. All of them are good. Many people might like the way in which Jesus pauses his journey for one One blind beggar. Just as he was troubled to save the daughter of the ruler of the synagogue, he stops to help a blind man. It's no trouble for him. Others might appreciate that this blind man knows exactly who Jesus is without even seeing him. He knows exactly who he is. For he calls him son of David. Now that's a remarkable thing to consider that men who could see, back in Jesus' day, men who could see, they called Jesus a follower of Beelzebub, men who could see, while a blind man sees him as the true son of David. Think of that. And still others will find peace in this illustration, knowing that if Jesus can make a physically blind man see, he can likewise make the spiritually blind to see. All excellent points. 
But my favorite verse is in 49. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer. Rise, he is calling you. And I just think, oh, to have the consideration and attentiveness of the Messiah. I mean, if you were feeling low, if you were feeling low, that ought to cheer you up. Be of good cheer. He is called you. You. He doesn't call the wicked. He leaves them in their iniquity. Yet he called you. And not to overshadow the fact that Jesus calls to Bartimaeus, but it is, it is even more amazing when we consider the state of Bartimaeus in this story. He's blind, that's told. Uh, he's begging, meaning he has no money. He can't work, and he has no belongings that we're told of. Maybe just the clothes on his back. In other words, he does not have a a splinter of anything that we would consider as having value. Not a thing. But, verse 49, be of good cheer. You who have no value to the world, if you are one of God's chosen people, you have value. As God says in 1 Samuel 16, uh, verse 7, man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And finally, I'll leave you with one more of my favorite verses. And we read it earlier, Ecclesiastes 3.14. Let's turn there and read it together. Ecclesiastes Chapter 3, verse 14. It says, I know that whatever God does, it shall be forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it that men should fear before him. Now that verse excites me the way that the I wills of God excite me. It's a truth and a, an a surety and a surety to me. Um, it's two things at the same time. It's an arrow and it's a shield. A thing that pierces and a thing that protects. Firstly, as born and bred sinners... We know that we begin our lives with stony hearts. And a stony heart is a heart without life. Which is to say no spiritual life. And without spirit, there is no abiding with God. God is spirit, says John in chapter 4, verse 24. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. What then can be done with a stony heart? Can a stony heart be made spiritual? Can a stony heart be made alive? I'll just repeat the words of Ezekiel. O Lord God, you know. 
you know. If God pierces a stony heart, it will become exactly what God wants it to be. Now you might think, an arrow piercing a heart sounds the opposite of life-giving. But unlike that deadly arrow that found its way between the pieces of Saul's armor and that led to his death, when God pierces your heart, you become alive. Alive. Whatever God does, it shall be forever, means to me that God said, I will from before time began, and that he would pierce the heart of every sinner for whom he chose to show mercy. And secondly, if God, if whatever God does is forever, that means you and I are safe in the truth that nothing that has come before and nothing that comes after will break the bonds of God's love that he has for us. That's what forever means. God's forever started before time and endures after time. Because of this truth, Jesus may confidently say, my father who has given them, my sheep, to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. No one can snatch. No one can take. Because I know that whatever God does, it shall be forever. Nothing can be added to it. He will not justify the ungodly. And nothing can be taken from it. Because once they're saved, once Christ has died for someone, they stay that way. Whatever God does, it shall be forever. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Drew, will you close this, please?